I think that part of, a big part of creating your own epic freelance life is to make sure that it's actually your epic freelance life and not someone else's. If we aren't living our lives intentionally like that, then you, you basically said it, our lives begin to live us. So I put in my calendar and I didn't know how I was going to do it. I just knew I had to. And suddenly the year started changing form. What you're describing is exactly how I moved to New York. I didn't I didn't get ready first and then move to New York. I bought a plane ticket six months out and then forced myself to figure it out. This is Philip Van Nostrand and you are listening to the Epic Freelance Life Podcast. How to make more money and live an epic freelance life. All right, welcome back. This is Phil Van Nostrand. I'm here with the Epic Freelance Life podcast, and I am talking to Marianne Cantwell. Marianne, hello. Hey, Phil. I'm so excited to be here. Yay, me too. You and I started our our independent kind of entrepreneurial journeys around the same time, which we might get to. Uh, we definitely should talk about. But why don't you introduce yourself first and tell us who you are and what you're about? So um, I'm Marianne Cantwell, and I'm usually known as the author of Be a Free Range Human, which is all about creating and you're growing your own thing in a way that really fits you and your personality and your life. Um, but over the years, as we all do when we have epic freelance lives, I've really evolved what I've done. So I've done things like I have run courses for thousands of people on everything from you know, growing your thing in a way that fits you to finding and using your superpowers in what you do. I gave a uh, TEDx talk uh, called The Hidden Power of Not Always Fitting In that's been viewed, I think, like half a million times and loads of other things. Yes. But I'm basically all about yeah, doing your own thing in a way that fits who you are and what you want, which I think is where we align, Phil. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, exactly where we align. Doing, I say, living life on your own terms. Um, are you, do, do you consider yourself primarily someone like um, an online kind of person? Would you include, because you didn't include that in, your, in the definition of who you are and what you do, but I feel like a lot of where you live and, and exist is sort of in online, hmm. in the online world. It's so funny. It's like a, a fish doesn't notice it lives in water, right? Um, so yeah. like I have worked exclusively online for over a decade. So that's a huge yes. Okay, cool. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Got it. Totally I forgot love that. that, that yeah, I think I think you are like truly a master online um, marketer and entrepreneur. And it's it's cool to kind of have followed, followed your journey over the years. Mm. And where are you currently speaking to me from? I am sitting in LA uh, where I live with my fiance looking out over a tree that currently has a squirrel looking back at me. So I'm in the middle of the <laughs> yeah. woods, but actually in LA, little juxtaposition there. <laughs> That's right. You're sort of in the heart of LA, but a lot of people don't know that LA is is kind of very hilly in some parts and lots of uh, cool outdoor stuff, right? Yes. I love yes. that. So I just want to say briefly that I met you because I was hosting Couch Surfers a long time ago in Santa Barbara, and you were one of my first and favorite couch surfers <laughs> over 10 years ago, right? And um, I don't think you had written your book yet, so you were just sort of like living your best life on the road, basically. Is I, that correct? You know, 
I did couch surfing twice and one of them was with you and I never did it again. I mean, you weren't the last one. The next one was the last one. Trust me. (laughs) Yours was awesome. Um, And I was actually, so I had just started my business, um, actually several different businesses. And this was my first, what I now call sort of uh, more location independent, free range type of trip. And Mm. I had never really done that before, but I basically packed my stuff up and I decided to travel for three months and see you know, people weren't doing that back then. I wanted to see if I could make that thing work. And one of my first stops happened to be in Santa Barbara where you were living at the time. And I feel like we just yeah. grew up together in terms of our businesses from there. Yeah, it's so crazy. And and you, I think then were sort of, after that, you had spent a lot of time in Bali and, and Australia yes. and then back in London for a while. But now, full circle, you're living in California, just a couple hours from where we first met. And I am in New York City. So amazing. That's cool. We swapped right over. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I, you know, I I've, I think you and I've read your book too, um, Be a Free Inch Human. It it honestly is, it was super inspiring to me. And and exactly like you said, we we overlap in so many ways with what we believe and how we want to live in the world. Um, and you said something to me very interestingly before we started recording, which is that you don't necessarily consider yourself a freelancer. And you said that your book wasn't necessarily geared towards freelancers. So who is your book for? Mm-hmm. Um, well, the book is only one small thing of what I do. It's just kind of what I'm known for. But sure. if it's specifically on the book, it's for, that book is for people who want to be doing something different with their lives. And they think that that thing might involve not having to have a job again. In other words, getting to do things on their own terms um, as their own boss, whether that involves what I call freelancing, which is going into companies and freelancing, or what I call free ranging, which is going and doing your own thing, sort of as your own boss in a different way. Um, But yeah, uh, yeah, and I think even with the other stuff that I do, that's more about like growing your thing and really showing up as you in what you're doing to get better results, it's still it's not really about in a way what you do. It's about the philosophy behind how you do it. I think that's what I'm most about. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was just going to ask you, like, is that, is that kind of what you are most excited about these days? Absolutely. Yes. I think that when I started out and I think the first thing is I'm wherever your listeners are in their own journey, we all evolve what we do and where what we care about. And I think one of the joys of free ranging or whatever we want to call it is mm-hmm. you get to redefine your job description whenever you need to. You know, when I started out, um, I mean, I didn't start out teaching people how to quit their jobs and start a business. I'd done other stuff. But when I started doing that, my thing was, I was so excited about the idea of, gosh, you'll be able to live and work anywhere. And people weren't talking about that. So it was fresh and yeah. new and super creative. And so I was excited there. Over the years, there's some amazing resources out there for people who want it. And I didn't feel like I wanted to live in that space anymore. So I evolved what Uh I did to focus on the other half of what we've done, which is doing what you do in a way that fits who you are. So your personality as well as the life you want. And so it's really evolved over the years, which which is great, right? Your stuff's evolved so much as well, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and I agree with you. Like every time I do talks or... I don't know, online presentations or mentorship or even coaching. I'm, I'm, I'm always like very cognizant that, that Phil's approach, which is kind of highly ADD and also extremely extroverted 
is uh, not for everybody. And I wouldn't expect anybody, everybody to do the amount of like networking mm-hmm. that I do, which has been my secret to success. But like, yes. but, but other, you know, I, I'm, I have many introverted friends and people who are quieter online and stuff. And so I, I think, I think what you're saying is so spot on that our personality, we have to be able to match our personalities to what we do day to day. Otherwise, I think, what ha- I think what happens to a lot of people is that they feel a lot of shame because, because they're not doing enough or they're not doing what they feel like they think they should be doing because lots of voices out there are saying stuff like, you got to be on TikTok or you got to do your reels or whatever. And 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 it makes people feel like they're they're falling short somehow because someone else has had had success in that, right? But they're not taking into consideration their own personality and what suits them. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there's a just an extension of that. You know, you talk about living an epic yeah. freelance life, and I think a really big part of that is saying, "Hey, if you want to live in whatever an epic life means to you." and you mm-hmm. have a business to run or your own thing to run, then you also need to know, hey, what? where do I put my attention to get the best results in a way that's also going to feel good to me? And if you don't know that, yeah. then we can listen to as many podcasts as we want, make as many to-do lists as we want, and yet we are still living the same life and doing the same things every day because we need to have our business side work. So for me, that thing of do things in line with who you are and find your superpowers it sounds all nice and fluffy and, you know, this is all mm-hmm. rainbows and happy kittens, which it kind of is. Uh, but more importantly, the reason I got into it was I realized having worked with literally thousands of people over the years that the people who got to actually live the epic life, not just while living on credit, not just while living off savings, but sustainably mm. and practically for years, they yes. also had this overlay like they knew huh, if I want to get great results, uh, there's this way, like Phil knows his thing is around, one of your things is connection, how you connect Mm -hmm. with people. So the time you put into that pay overall ends up paying off. Um, For someone else, it might be something different. And when we know that, we can stop doing a thousand things and we can pick like the five or six things to write for us Mm. and we can get better results. And also if you want to pivot, you then know how to do it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And and I want to know, Marianne, for you, what, what is your superpower, do you think? So I don't think, believe that any of us just have one superpower. Um, so sure. um, I think okay, we're a lot more complex. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So just to give you a context, the, the, the way I talk about superpowers is that we all have a couple of them. They are not the things mm-hmm. you probably think of when people say, what your superpower, what's your superpower? Um, they're the things that are so natural to you that you sometimes don't yeah. notice them because you can't help but do them. Right. And the power of them is in how they intersect with each other. So one of my superpowers is um, what I call attraction. And so I know that if I want to have anything grow, if I want to do things um, with more ease, I'm always asking, am I doing things in a way where I'm allowing myself to attract people into this? Um, Another one Mm. of them that intersects with that is empathy. So my attraction isn't just standing on top of a hill and like being like, come on in. It's actually a very gentle version of attraction where people hear me talk and they go, I see some of myself here. I feel heard and seen. And so those, when Mm. I'm, here's a practical way, if I'm marketing, I'm not going to spend days going down another style of of doing things. I'm going to say, how do I attract with empathy, with enthusiasm and other superpowers? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I want... 
I want attraction as my superpower. <laughs> it sounds so great. Um, I think, oh my gosh, you, really that is that. like literally the intro to a cause. Um, you know, and that's the funny thing of, about superpowers is that we all think someone else's sounds great, uh, right? Like that's yeah. the thing. Like I, <laughs> I would wish I had your energy and could network like you do, but I oh know that when I do it, I don't get great results and I'm drained and I'd be better yeah, off yeah, doing yeah. something else. I love watching you I do totally it. Though, understand. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I can entertain you from afar. Please do um, continue. <laughs> so, so one one thing that I I think is interesting about people who are living sort of their epic freelance lives, or as you say, epic free range lives, is that they have um, sort of built in habits about their life that ensures that their life is staying interesting or fresh. You know, like. Like I, every single year since 2003, actually, I've gone to a new country every year mm -hmm. for my entire life. And so that's ensured that at the bare minimum, I will be traveling <laughs> somewhere new in the world and adding a stamp to my passport. And I love that. And I still love that. Um, even in 2020, it happened. And so I wonder for you, if you have any of these sort of routines or habits or built in uh, motivators in your life to kind of ensure that you are living an epic free range life? Hmm. So I think a little bit of both. So one of them is I, I actually think that some people's personalities are really well geared towards habits and yours is one of them. Yeah. I've known you for years and you're geared towards it. Mine is not. So okay. <laughs> how anyone who's listening in and here's, I, I'm going to like do my, do the thing here where I, I'm imagining myself listening to a podcast like this. And I used to, I used to listen to all the same podcasts and stuff you did, uh -huh. right? And we'd talk about it and I'd read the book yep. and I'd be fascinated with people who had these habits. It took me years to realize that there are a lot of people, possibly someone listening in now who are fascinated Ooh. with the ideas of it, but don't have that tendency. So I'm going to talk about how I, as someone without that tendency does things. So one of them okay, is great. instead of totally different, right? So let's like you'll see yeah. under the hood here. I'm so, happy about this a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way you do it, by the way. Do you know, I was going to add something for people who don't know you. I don't know if oh. you still do this, but for years, you you used to, how was it, voicemail or call everyone you knew whose birthday was that day? Do you still do, you still do uh, that? Oh, one? yeah, I still do that. Was I that you? called someone yesterday on oh, their birthday. God. Yeah, yeah. I love Every, that. You're, I, you also used to change yes, your voicemail you someone, every day, didn't you? Oh, my gosh. That's that. a different story. But yes, <laughs> one, if you, are, if you are somebody that I love... And that I really care about. I put your birthday in my calendar on repeat and I try to call you on your birthday. And I, I had two friends whose birthdays were on Wednesday, one person on Monday, and I called them and it was great. Um, but amazing. one of the guys cried when I, when I called him. <laughs> um, and two, uh, my schedule used to be so, so busy um, that I used to actually change my voicemail every single day because because people would start I mean this is back when people actually called each other so back when like early cell phone days um people my sister and people would complain that they'd always call me but they'd, they'd always get my voicemail so it felt like I was always ignoring them and I was like I wish I had a secretary who could just be like oh Phil's in a meeting right now he'll be free in an hour and then and then in my head I was like oh, I could be my own secretary and so at the beginning of every day I would list out my schedule so people would know that I'm not ignoring them I just was busy and I would be if they listened closely, they'd know I'd be free between like 5 and 7 p.m. or something. 
And so oh, I love that was see, fun. This is, t- you've done this yeah. for years. Like you've done like versions so of your habits for so long. I, yes, no, yes, I love yes. them. But, but then the, there was a time when like I did that for almost like three weeks in a row and no one called me because people just stopped calling. And I was like, this is dumb. I'm doing this for myself. So I killed that. But uh, but tell me, so if you don't have habits, how do you sort of ensure or what's what are you doing? Do you think that's different for you? Yes, I have a series of things to talk about. Let let me go through and talk about them. So one of them is if you're not a long term habit person, then you can be a periodic habit person. So you can set Mm. yourself habits for um, periods. So the first thing that I do is I tend to work better in like months three month increments. So I might have a three month increment where I take a certain number of days a week off. So now I'm not going, my head's not spinning out about but what happens if this happens and that happens. I'm like, it's three months. So that works well for my brain. I love um, that. It also, yeah. So that example is great also because I'm also someone who, when I get into a project, I am in that project. It's my life and my yes, world. And I, I know we know this. Yeah. I, I don't talk to humans after a period when I'm in the project. Uh-huh. And I know that. So now we, all, now we all are aware of that. I go, I'm a really big yep. fan of being realistic about who you are. And so I'm like, let's be realistic. If I'm writing a book or doing something, I'm out for a period. Am I going to have the same mm-hmm. principles as I do in a normal time? No, I'm not but that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's a period. So I say, give yourself permission, but you have to know what your thing is for these three month periods. So yeah. that's one of are, them is to are, do are it you in any sort of period. Are you in any sort of period right now? Yes, absolutely. am. I am in a, I, I'm kind of in a letting go of some stuff I had created and creating new things phase. Um, so okay. with that, one thing that's really important to me is that I'm having space um, most days to add, do a side project of creating art, not for my business, but because it keeps my creativity mm-hmm. flowing. So that's one of my things. Uh, I'm also taking like a okay. day a week off. I'm not working weekends. So I've got a few Lovely. metrics and stuff in. So something else that I Beautiful. do if you're interested in like non-organized yeah. people um, or Absolutely. less organized people. Um, so something I find really useful is asking um myself some different creative questions to make sure that my business isn't running me, that I actually get to run my business. So Mm, for example, mm -hmm. this is a big one. So one of them is um, the question, what if this was easy? So when I have a this is a it's one of my favorite questions. So if I have a project I think it's a Tim Ferris quote. Oh, is it? I thought you, I made that one. Have up. you heard that or did you feel like you created that yourself? I, I made that up years ago, I thought. Did I? Because I know that I've well. read that about Tim Tim Ferriss when he was talking about starting his podcast and stuff. He's he's had that <gasps> same exact that same exact words. Yeah. Okay. That's a good one. I love it. I I say those exact words to people all the time. So I, I love that you're sweet. talking about this. Do you know, so it's what if this was easy? And, oh yeah, it's huge. Yeah, and then you—it's a creative yeah. question. You end up coming up with, like, if I'm doing an online course launch, one of the questions I ask myself is, "What if this was easy?" And then I can add in other words, like, "What if this felt spacious? What if this felt joyful?" And sometimes when you're in business, I know your answer is, "Don't be ridiculous. That's not how these things feel. I just have to get through it." Um, that's how I feel sometimes anyway, right? Like you're like, that's silly. I just have to do this. And, but what asking yourself a question like that, what I find it does is it forces me to find an answer. So what if this was easy? What if this didn't burn me out? What if this X, Y, Z, it makes me go, huh? Hmm. Like one of my answers once was 
we're going to need more time to do this. Another one was, I'm going to need to have someone else on board to help me. Another one was, maybe I don't need to launch this on all the social channels. I just launch it in this one specific way. Uh, And every time, suddenly it's like, you know, if we don't think like this, we never have space to live the rest of our lives. And so that's one of my Mm. big tips is what if this was easy? And there's so many other things. Like also, just last thing I'll say is just putting your lifestyle in as a key metric. So I also get that even if you're not going to plan out your whole year, you still want to know that you're going to take X amount of time, say, to travel if that's important to you. Where's that going? Where's that going to be? So questions like that and allowing them to be in there are so important. Um, I know it's very basic. See, that's but. good. Uh, honestly, that that last part is is like I feel like a different way of saying what what I do too, because I, I think my I think my concern, you know, if if I'm not, I mean, for me, it's traveling somewhere new every year. For you, it's it's making sure that you said that you have X amount of days free for yourself each year. And and I think both of us are kind of saying if we don't if we aren't living our lives intentionally like that, then you, you basically said it. Our lives begin to live us, right? And and we lose intentionally. Oh, That's my favorite word. Yeah. Intentionally. I, exactly. And I've had yeah. friends. I mean, I've amazingly. I have a a friend in New York who I've shot for that. He's he's an interior designer, and he once told me that he hadn't gone on a vacation in five years, and I was like. Five years? You haven't left New York in five years? Or you haven't moved somewhere or been on an airplane abroad, which was wild to me. And mm-hmm. so I think the caution there to anyone listening who works for themselves is that you have if you don't if you don't buy a plane ticket somewhere or or you know, take that Friday off or whatever it is that you do, then then there's always gonna be work to do and, and you're gonna constantly be feeling like you're behind or needing to catch up on stuff or building things. We have to mm-hmm. give ourselves that freedom. And also, can I add to that a little, which is I yeah, remember please. one time in my like early, not early on, middling in my business when things had really taken off, it was turning over like a very healthy amount of money. And mm. I really felt like I was in my flow with what I was doing. I was also really burnt out. Um, this was years ago. Mm. And I remember asking myself, what do I want to achieve this year? And I was like, nothing. I want to just not do, you know, right. I was just like, I am done. I am out. But you know, I had this thing, it had a life of its own. I, that's what I was doing. And so I, instead of coming up with this big epic growth plan, I just said, all I want is to take a month off. And I remember going, oh, that's impossible. You can't take a month off. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, okay, so what if you took three months off and see, sometimes I think (laughs) if you increase the goal, now we have to take it. So I was like, okay, you're taking three. And I said, okay, can you do it tomorrow? And I was like, ah, all these reasons, no. And I'm like, okay, you have to do it this year. When will you do it? So I put in my calendar and I didn't know how I was going to do it. I just knew I had to. And suddenly the year started changing form. I had to Uh, look at, I hadn't, I basically was holding too much in my head of how I did things and I hadn't let anyone else in. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't have any systems in place for like an assistant to take on even part. Like I just didn't, I had an assistant, but not high enough level at the time. So it, by the time I got to that date, I'd actually cleaned my business up. So sometimes if you're saying I can't do it, it's like, but what if you put it in the calendar and then you were like, what would I do if I had to do it? Um, it really changes it. Cause we always can, if you got ill for three months, like what would happen? Like, right. Yeah. (laughs) If, if COVID hit, what would happen? Right. Sometimes we are forced into it. 
I, um, what you're describing is exactly how I moved to New York. And what I always tell people Ooh. is I didn't, I didn't get ready first and then move to New York. I bought a plane ticket six months out and then forced myself to figure it out. <laughs> right. And, yes. and that's it. Like if, if I had like taken the time or tried to like visit and like look at apartments or whatever, it just would have taken forever. And, or, or like, needed to build my portfolio a little bit more or something, mm-hmm. you know, it never would have happened. And so I just bought the ticket and then I figured out where to live. I figured out, you know, what I needed to do before. And it allows you to also finish projects on time and stuff. So, yeah. I love that. I totally agree. Uh, so for, I want to know Marianne for you, um, I guess, what are you, oh, oh, you told me once actually that you, and I really like this, and I think this is important for listeners to hear, is that you make money in kind of large chunks. <laughs> Do you remember telling me this, that that you don't make yes. money like every week or kind of like smoothly throughout the year? It's sort of like a you, you launch something big and you make a large chunk of change in, you know, one launch and that lasts you for six months or the year or something. Do you still do that? And do you want to describe that process a little better than I did? I have run, I got to tell you, Phil, I've run every business model over the years. Um, okay. so I have just to, for people who don't know me in the past, I used to mm-hmm. have consistent passive income. So I just want to clarify that, um, because, and so I, I get what it's like to have that as well. So I've had both, I've had consistent passive income with, you know, income coming in weekly from, courses. I had a membership that was kind of a six-figure membership that was doing really well. I had to show up once every three mm-hmm. months. It ran itself. So I've done that model really well. Um, and then I closed it down because I I kind of personally wanted to move on from the type of product that like the the topics that were covered and I wanted to create something sure. different. So I shut them down. But what I've been doing lately has been a little different. And it's what you're talking about here, Phil, which is Having lived the passive income model, it is fantastic. It also isn't everything. There are so there, it's not. I, I think sometimes we think pa- we hear about passive income. It's, it's truly like, not passive. Yeah, it's it, it, well, mine kind of was. I've got to be honest, mine kind of was. Oh, okay, well, um, fine. So, you, you pulled it off. I, I feel like people have I, to keep mis- like feeding the machine though to to keep that passive. Oh thing like yeah, I, I yeah. think I'm lucky. I had a book and have a book that kind of feeds me clients and then they mm. get on my email list. And so mm. there, it was part, it, let's put it this way. It was- uh, Marianne actually figured it out, which is great. Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. probably the equal amount of work over the course of a year as doing mm. a couple of intensive launches in the year. So what mm. I mean by that is making sure that the funnels at the time were working well. Um, yeah. tweaking things to respond to what was going on. You know, it, it, when I say it, it was pretty passive, it meant I could have disappeared for, I, can, I often disappeared for periods and it was still working. So yes, in that sense awesome. it was, but no, okay. you didn't take your eye off the ball totally. The toddler was not running around the house 24-7 unattended, metaphorically yeah. speaking. You just had a, sure. some time away from it. So yeah, so I had that and it worked well. But these days, and I would happily go back to that at some point. Um, right now I just... I feel like we all have different seasons in our business. And when you are going in a new direction, I don't think the best first step is passive income because that's about replication Mm -hmm. of something that works. And I'm now in a phase where I am putting out new things like a new Superpowers Academy that I have just done, say, the Superpowers Academy is a program I've just done a test run for, and I'm going to then launch it bigger. 
in the future, that's a lovely example. I may go and make it passive once I see what works best about it. Once I see, I see. have all my info. So now I'm in that phase. I'm like, it would make no sense for me to go and say, I'm going to make it passive and recurring when I, I don't feel like I've really, you know, if you want to create something of quality, you have to get in there and mess with people a bit. Anyway, but um, so yeah, these that's days, so well, smart. I, that makes does sense. that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, and I love your, your seasons of business theory. So I think that's really smart. Yeah. So yeah, these days, basically what I've done is I do a series of, um, little launches over the year. Um, and they can be, um, an existing program. They can be, um, like I very rarely do this one, but like the other week I sent an email to my email list and said, Hey, I'm opening up for these VIP half days. And I had a certain number of slots available and they just filled up. Um, I was pretty clear what they were and people just bought it. So sometimes it will be interactive. Um, I don't do that super often. Sometimes it's a course, sometimes it's, it's something else. But what yeah. I do when I'm putting it out there is I always have a clear metric for how much do I want to bring in from this? What will that look mm. like in terms of the numbers I need? And I sort of run it backwards. So I know in advance, this is, I never put something out there. It's because it's a guess. I know the numbers we're going to get. Like I know my Amazing. following well enough. Yeah, I'm pretty, I, I have this thing. You're like this, Phil, where I didn't I'll, have a, about you. I, I'll have a stretch metric and I'll say, hey, uh -huh. it'd be great if we get that number. We never get that number. We get the reasonable metric and we never get the lower mm -hmm. one. Like I always have three and we always get number two. So I'm like, I think my life okay. lesson is, is raise it. Um, but yes, yeah, that's how I, that's how I roll. <laughs> Make the number bigger. Oh, like, I, oh my God. Learn sure. it. <laughs> like, yeah. But, um, and, and what, what does this, I mean, if, if you gave me real actual numbers, I'd be thrilled, but you don't need to. I just mm -hmm. want to know, like, how do you even come up with a number that you want to earn? Um, do you need a lot of money to survive? Are you trying to earn more money than you need? Do you save money? Can I, can I? talk about that phrase for a sec money to survive i yes. never use that phrase yes. can we never use that phrase okay <laughs> like, and i'll tell you why i don't like Fine. using it not yeah. to like police your language i'll tell you why i find it like i tell my clients to, to maybe watch themselves on it is that gives Good. us the impression that as freelancers or free rangers all we can do is survive whereas so i mm. am if i was just making money to survive i would be super super stressed um, yeah. so I absolutely don't do that. No. So what I look Good. at, um, and it changes over the years is what, and again, I work in different chunks. I'll say over say six months, what mm -hmm. would feel really spacious to me? What would allow mm. me to breathe? So I go more with that. What would allow me to breathe over this period? If I have a specific goal I'm working towards financially, then I'll set that and I'll say, what would that look like across say four different launches or something like sure. that? So when I start, and, I go either with a feeling oh, yeah. or a specific thing every year. Say, so, and I'm in, yeah. I love that. Does that make sense? And yeah, yeah, it does. But, but I want to know even kind of closer, like, why do you, why would you want to earn a specific amount? Like, how do you even come to a number? For me, is it, are you like competitive with yourself or is it, is yeah. it the spacious thing or something else? It's yeah. both. So I am, I have a thing that I I'll never charge, like I'll never make an amount of money that after I've done it, I'll be like, dang, I should have gone for more. 
right? Like that's mm. one of my big things. So then everyone can do that, whether you've got individual clients or you're doing a bigger launch. So I learned over the years that I would be like, no, we're totally okay with this amount. Then I'll do it. And I'd be like, oh my God, there was so much more work. Why didn't I make it like get more people or raise the price? So I've learned my yeah. lesson. And so now I have like, I have minimums. So I would, you know, if I, even if a, here's an example, if I'm doing a test project, I would be very unlikely to run a test project for less than about 20,000 US ever. Like mm-hmm. I would, and I do have a following, um, so I, I can pull that off. So that's means even mm-hmm. if I'm testing a new product, if I'm not going to make that much from a product test, I'm probably not going to test the product. Like I want to know that I at least can bring that in. It's just a way of me getting a little bit more real with myself. Um, I think I've broken that rule once for something I was interested in and actually it wasn't something I continued with. So I've sort of learned it. Um, If I'm doing Mm -hmm. different types of launches for established products, then I have different levels depending on how established the product is. So there's one product I won't launch if I can't personally make about 90 or a hundred thousand from it. Um, and that means in okay. terms of my energy. So I have to be honest, I say, are my energy levels behind this? Um, how um, well primed is my list? What's our support? What's our this? So that's like personal. That's like after splitting out costs and you know i always bring another coach in after paying people off so i just say every time i say does that is this going to feel good um for this Mm. amount if it's not no and yeah i just have and by the way for me this works really well because i'm very like i'm fairly spontaneous so if i have a big idea of something i want to do i always look and i say is that something that's really going to be worth my while because we then have opportunity cost um that's my long answer i hope it helps someone this is a great answer i I think i'm gonna ask like a selfish question now because because i i appreciate you giving real numbers here and i want to know like maybe i have i i think i grew up with kind of like a poor mindset from my very frugal parents and so it's like it's pretty wild for me to imagine launching someone and say like, I'm going to make a, over a hundred thousand dollars off of this one thing. And, mm-hmm. and I wonder if you've always felt like you've deserved to earn that much money or if you grew into mm. it. Hmm. Interesting. You know, that's, that's a really meaningful question because I think that in a way it's a little bit of both. So in one way, I've never really had the thing of you shouldn't earn above a certain amount. I don't have that. Mm-hmm. I have friends from all walks of life um, and I don't particularly think any have made more worthy choices than the other. So I sort of see, like I don't have a thing about you shouldn't earn above a certain amount at all. I think that mm-hmm. you shouldn't be uh, led to believe that you have to in order to be happy, I think you should make your own choices. But with that in mind, have I, so I've never had a thing that I shouldn't do that. Um, I think over the years, however, the online industry has changed and it has allowed people to have more awareness, especially when it comes to coaching uh, online products and things like that around mm. personal development and business. People have more awareness of the value. Therefore, Finally, the prices have been able to match that. So now I still think we're a little under industry average for a lot of stuff. And I'm okay with that. Interesting. Um, Yeah. Like if I'm being honest about it, like we're not, some people would think we're 
wildly over, but they're not really familiar with industry prices. <laughs> like I can see sure. people either tend to say, oh my gosh, you're undercharging or that's way too much. Like there's no real middle ground yeah. on responses that I get. <laughs> like, um, so when you look at it that way, so I'm like, okay, so either you've no industry or not. So these days, and that's my other answer is I've grown into the amounts um, mm-hmm. a lot more. Like over the, these days, you know, I mean, I didn't do one-to-one coaching for a long time. I really was all about, mm-hmm. I started out like that. Then I ran groups. Then I, I have my coaches run groups, you know, for someone mm-hmm. to work with me privately now in any way, it's like a minimum five figure investment. And I, it's not, I was not even advertised. So if you'd asked me a few sure. years ago, whether I would do that, I'd be like, no, I could never charge that much. Now I'm like, I, I can, and I do because I can be judicious and, say mm. no when it's not right for someone. So I know it's a roundabout way to answer your question, but I think one of the ways I've developed confidence in specific high prices has been that I am the first to say it's not for you when it's not. Um, I'm the first to say this, you know, if someone asks me, should I join this? I always, I always actually get into a whole, like, tell me more about where you're at thing. Um, and you know, half yeah. the time I'll say no. And if you're willing to do that and you're genuinely grounded in that, then I think you can start to raise your rates um, in whatever you're doing. That's beautiful. Does that resonate with you? It does make sense. Yeah, it means that you, yeah, you're willing to like turn down money because you don't just accept yeah. everybody, and and you're really giving people uh, something that works for them, but they need to be prepared. Absolutely. Right? And you know, I discourage yeah. people who are joining. Like, I don't obviously know everyone who joins my things, but if I find out mm-hmm. that someone is in financial trouble and they're choosing to join one of my things, I actively dissuade them. I'm like, that's, that's not the sort of product we have. You know, I can't, I'm not someone who's going to say there there might be products out there that are appropriate, but I don't recommend stuff like that. But you know, I'm not someone who's going to say join something and you'll make this amount of money in this many, this period. I'm like, that's not what we're about. Um, we're about like creating like lasting changes. So if this is like your last money or you're already in so much debt, I'd be like, I really am not going to encourage you to join this. Um, because I don't want to be, mm. from a pers- PR perspective, I don't want that then to be bound up in that person's story that they may tell other people of being one of many mm-hmm. who did something, you know, this is why I don't have money because I spend all this money on this stuff. I don't want that uh, story. Yeah. And, right? Yeah. And B, <laughs> right? Like there's too many of those. I'd be like, nope, please don't put me in. And two, I would rather that person was somewhere, was able to breathe more. And you can't make big changes when you can't, don't feel like you can breathe. So, yeah, I you're absolutely that's... right. Yeah. yeah. When you have a little, I know you think yeah, like when that you have too. a nice, yeah. I do. When, when you have a nest egg, you can afford to take like bigger risks in your career and, and changes and stuff. But yeah, otherwise. Hey, can I guess add, add one little, serve, one, serve. can I add one little thing, yeah. Phil? If anyone has, is listening and is like, raising prices is like really tough. I'd say one of the things I'd say on it is just actually do it, <laughs> like try it. Um, uh-huh. even if it means pulling price from your website for a period, so you can do it in conversation or by message and just see what happens. Um, and if you do, it doesn't land right, then go and see what you can learn about how to position what you do better, because it's usually that. Um, and the second yeah. thing I'd say is if there's anything about but what if they can't afford it? One of them is you can have a downsell offer um, of for people who can't afford it. Possibly it's like a shorter series of whatever you're mm-hmm. doing or less time. And if that's not an option or you don't want to do that, then 
you know, something that I do is I have, whenever possible, I see who else I can refer them to. Not all the time. I don't always mm. have that. But, you know, I had someone the other month say, I love your stuff. I really want to join this. But like, here's my financial position. Do you, is any way you can work with someone like me? And I just was like, I couldn't because the headspace it mm -hmm. would take up to help that person wasn't a one-off, like 10 minute conversation. It was a, it was a lot sure. of work. And I couldn't help them, but I was able to say, Hey, here are three organizations I know that do this sort of work. And I'm pretty sure their prices are lower. So I can't really fully recommend, I don't know them that well, but I know they exist. So here they are. And they were really grateful yeah, that's for great. that. So yeah, so Phil, you don't have you're not abandoning people. I think is that you just don't have to rescue I love everyone. Them. Yeah, I'm literally I'm I literally had this same conversation today via Instagram. <laughs> like an oh. old uh, Santa Barbara friend is getting married, and they asked me if I knew anybody in San Francisco, and I was like, well, depending on the budget, like I might be able to do it for you, and and they were definitely like below my budget, so. Um, I was like, let me find you someone. I know I have photo friends in that area. I'll try to find someone that I can recommend something. So it's the exact same thing. I didn't want to leave her hanging. I wanted mm -hmm. to give her someone solid and um, it just wasn't going to be me. And that was okay. Mm -hmm. I agree. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Perfect. Um, Perfect. For, for you, uh, just a side like logistic note, I think um, to me it sounds... I interviewed Dory Clark too, and and I felt like you and her have something very powerful and similar in, in together, which is that you both have a pretty solid mailing list. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Would you say that yes. is like maybe, I wouldn't call that your superpower, but it's definitely like a secret weapon that you have. <laughs> oh, yeah. My business is based on my email list for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you've been growing that for a long time, right? I gotta tell you, I'm not really growing it. <laughs> I'm a little oh, okay. bit lazy about these things. I, I am. I Got have it. on my list of things to get to at some point to actually grow it. Um, but no, I have been nurturing <laughs> it. For some, I mean, it does grow, but sure. um, you know, it's not like I'm like, hey, here's my tricks to like 10x your list overnight. That's I'm not that right person. No. Um, but no, I have been nurturing a very loyal email list for a long time. And I, I mean, the first people I got on there. I got them. I was running these workshops for another organization back in London when I first started and mm -hmm. no one knew who I was. I had no following. Um, yeah. And I handed out a little piece of paper at the end and people put their emails down and the next oh day my I put God. them on my email list. I grew yeah. my first few hundred people like that and I sold my first, you know, I was coaching. I sold my first group program like that. And over the years, it's grown through like whenever I know my TEDx talk goes a little viral. It does it every few months. It gets like an algorithm okay. boost and suddenly my email list will go up and I'm like, oh, hey guys, <laughs> guess you all saw that. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's lots of stuff and it's it's for me it's definitely my preferred communication style because I feel like everyone's in a little private room and I mean I'm sure we've had trolls but I don't really see them because someone else filters mm. my emails for me um nice. it's not like <laughs> the wild west of social media but that way. <laughs> sure sure but and and so my question to you is like at what and I'm sure the answer is smaller than we think but like at, at what point do you think like a mailing list can have impact or uh, bring you like decent business? You know, is mm -hmm. it like a couple hundred it depends. people, like 5,000, well, 10,000? Well, it depends on a few things. One is um, what's your price point? Um, so if mm -hmm. you're trying to sell a $40 product, the answer is a lot bigger than you need it to be. Um, you do not, mm -hmm. that's not what, that 
you need it a lot bigger than that. Even I wouldn't have a solid income if I was selling mostly $40 products. So I would never go really? down that route. Yeah, absolutely not. No way. Like your price points, everything. I only got, I've only had a solid business because I make sure like one of my things is I make sure I create is of quality and therefore it's not low end. Right. So one of the, so my first question always is, Hey, so what sort of product are you selling? So let's say you're selling a service or I don't know whether it's photography, coaching or something else, and you want individual yeah. clients or groups. Okay. Well, my next question is what's your connection to the people on the list? Have you met them in person before? If they've seen mm. you in person or they've seen you talk like on a webinar or they've seen you be a guest on a podcast, they're a lot warmer. So if people go from listening to this and go and find my Friday love letters, which are basically mm -hmm. anywhere you can see that I have an email list, you get my Friday love letters from. Um, so if, if someone listens to this and then goes there, they've already heard me talk and there's a connection. So if that's how people are getting their people on their email list and they've kept it warm with a good like welcome email, maybe a sequence, regular contact, and they're trying to get a certain, like a small number of clients, you could be doing it with un like a hundred people, um, possibly okay. fewer, right? So yeah. because your conversion rate decreases, the bigger your list gets. So my open yeah. rate and my conversion rate now is nothing like what it used to be. And because I don't know who mm. a lot of the people are on my list, I've got probably some dead emails that occasionally open. I, it's not the same, but if sure, you're early sure. on, don't, yeah. yeah, don't listen to the numbers when you're early on. Like just go, like your, your power when you're early is in, you don't have to be distant because you have mm -hmm. so many more people, like so much more space to be able to get closer to people, do it. Like, send individualized responses when people join your list. There's like a tool you can use to make like a little video response to say, Hey, welcome. Yeah, I'd love to know where you're great. at. Like I would do that rather than focus on big numbers at first and just go connection, connection, know what you're selling, make the offer consistently. Um, but yeah, it's so much simpler. It's a beautiful word. People think. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's good to hear. Um, you want to, you know, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but you mentioned, um, you really are interested in the, like being creative with how you run your business. Can you say a few more words about this? <laughs> Phil, this is one of my yes. biggest things, you know, like you get okay. this, like your work, your, like as a photographer, you, I, mm -hmm. I would say your work is in some way creative, right? Like you do creative work. Of course, in some way, it's very creative. Um, you do creative work. And I know whether or not we think our work is creative in our business, it's very common, and I used to do this, to focus just on is my work creative, not is how I run my business creative and is how I mm -hmm. structure my life creative. And so I always love to encourage myself and my clients to say, to bring back some play into that. So to say, we might bring creativity to our work, but do we bring it to how we do our work and how we make our businesses work? So one way to bring creativity that I love to do to how I make my business work is to set myself challenges. So if I'm feeling like I need a, a little bit of a creativity boost, I will set myself, say, a, an income challenge. So I'll say mm. um, I did one uh, not long ago that was like 10K in a fun way. I was like over and above everything I'm doing. What if I had to bring in 10K in a fun way? What would that look like? Can break all the rules. And I did that. Another oh one gosh. was- I'm smiling so I, big right now. I love So this. fun, right? And then you, I was like, yeah. okay, so it can't just be a rerun. It can't be this and it can't be something that's going to take forever. It had to be in a fun way 
by the end of this week done. Another one was wow. I did a hundred K in a fun way, uh, challenge, um, over and above what I already, um, had planned. So I actually have run that, um, over the course of a year and said, what would it look cool. like to be a hundred K in a fun way? Over and above? That was different because it was more established. So I could do that. Um, I did it with smaller yes. amounts earlier and sometimes I do it not money related. Sometimes I'll do, um, I want to bring in creativity and I've had this little idea for this thing that could be fun. Um, what would it look like to run a series on this? So I just say, bring in mm. a little creativity with that. And the other way I bring in creativity into my work is to make sure it's fitting how I work at my best. So that might be thinking creatively when I feel a bit of a block around something. So for example, as you know, Phil, I'm putting together an mm -hmm. audio series going to be called secret superpowers but it's basically we're going yes. to be released as a podcast but i'm calling it an audio series because it's okay heavily produced. i accept um, that <laughs> it's a little you'll see it you'll get it and so good bringing creativity to that was number one i knew i wanted to do um something audio podcasty and I wanted it to feel a little different um, to the stuff I was thinking of before. And so I looked at how do I do that differently in terms of format. That's making your work creative. But how do I pull it off in a way that's creative? Well, I realized that I kept putting that project on the back burner. So I just thought, okay, this isn't going to happen by itself. Every time I put in the calendar, mm -hmm. it moves. It's the last thing. And so I said, how yep, do I yep. get creative, right? How do I get creative with this problem? And I, I was chatting to an old client of mine who right now helps people make their projects happen. And we were just chatting. And she used to, I think, be a theater producer. As we were talking about this, she was really helpful. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, my creative solution is bring on board like a partner slash coach. Like not to speak mm. on the podcast, but to be my sidekick while I do it. Not quite a producer, yep. not quite a coach, but a bit of everything. I didn't know one was offering that. Like, let me be your sidekick. And I was like, I have an offer for you. And I basically pitched her. I was like, I want to hire you for this role that doesn't exist. Yeah. And she was That's like, oh, so my God. Great. <laughs> like, so she's literally co-creating uh, this pilot with me. Uh, we were just talking before I got on here. And that to me was a creative solution because no one was offering that. And there's no Ooh. playbook that says that. So does that help as an example? Yeah, I love that so much. It's so funny. I actually know somebody who um, I met her through Clubhouse and, and her title was she's like a bride's She's a bridesmaid for hire, basically. And she doesn't go to the wedding, but she basically becomes a like a bride's best friend leading up to the wedding. And she tells her like all the things that needs to happen. She kind of coaches her, does therapy, like tells her this is what's expected. This is what you can like expect to spend on photographers, blah, blah, blah. And she becomes this like coach slash friend leading up to the wedding. I thought it was so interesting, but it's very similar to what you're describing. It, that, I love Is that interesting? That yeah. And it's such like an essential thing. It's like the bride doesn't necessarily need, want to hire a wedding planner. You know, she's kind of trying to do it herself, but, and her, her own bridesmaids aren't going to be like as helpful or, or neutral, but then they have this like voice of wisdom in her ear throughout the process, which is just kind of lovely. And it sounds like you, yeah. And it sounds like you created that for yourself and has it been exactly. a good decision? Oh my gosh. She's just amazing. It's, this thing has yeah. been on the back burner for like over a year and it's now like actually moving. 
And I think that's that is the like, best gift you could have given yourself. Yeah, I know. And she's loving it. She's like, I can't believe I get to do this. I'm like, you do. Um, so this is like, I feel like this almost comes a little full circle because, you know, one of the things we talked about earlier was around the like using your superpowers and how uh -huh. that's a way of like getting realistic with who you are. That's when we get the best results with the most ease. And I think that to me is linked with finding creative ways to allow yourself to be at your best um, because those answers are not often not like handed to us, right? So it's more like when we're, I'm feeling this sense of tightness um, of things feeling mm -hmm. sticky of, and that, you know, we all have those different feelings when I'm feeling that. And that may be a bit of frustration about like, oh, you know, I should be able to be doing this other thing by now. Then one of the things yeah. I ask myself is how one is, what if this was easy? And the other one is how am I letting myself be creative around this solution? Um, oh, you're so good, Marianne. Yeah. <laughs> I've been doing well, this too. I'm literally having the same conversation in my own life. And like, I've built in accountability partners that I check in with daily and stuff. So, you know, there's like things like this. I totally agree. Yes. Um, and I interviewed uh, just, just for our audience, if they haven't listened, um, I interviewed Jeremy Redleaf, who is Leaf, the founder of yeah. Cave Day. And Cave Day is also a really wonderful way to like, to work on those big projects. I, I've built websites. I built my entire coaching website in one cave day afternoon yes. because there was like things that I've been wanting to do. But like you said, I keep, I keep deprioritizing them or kind of let like my day-to-day -day business stuff take over and, and having that space to like force yourself, no phone, no emails, no notifications to just work on a yeah. big project. Is beautiful, and you you got your own like cave day sidekick, which is great. Um, <laughs> you made me I think maybe we idea. need to do both. We might need to like yeah. cave away just the two of us. <laughs> you, you and her could yeah. go into a cave day session together easily. But yeah, I love that, yeah. and um, I think I think it it speaks to one of one of the more interesting books I read in the last couple of years, which was Willpower Doesn't Work. And, and the whole premise of the book is like, we only, we have a limited amount, a supply of willpower, and then it runs out like a well maybe. And so, um, the, the truest way to change things in our lives is to change something outside of us. And, and I think that you are describing exactly that, like making it creative, like putting your, your workout shoes and your gym clothes next to the bed, you know, when you wake up in the morning or, or hiring that person to, to go alongside of you and, and, um, like changing, truly changing something in your environment so that the, the thing gets to be born. I love and I it. I think I went, by the way, I, I did not know that book existed, but I've said that to clients oh, yeah. for years. Willpower doesn't work. Oh. But the, I, I think, yeah, it's so funny. I was like, I'm, I want to read so it now. Good. I'm buy it you, immediately. You, you'll really like it. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, just, just a thought on that, something I extend on it is, you know, you know, I'm obsessed with like tailoring things to each person. And I think one thing just to be really aware of is when you're looking at what changes are you making to your environment, just to look at what you know about your personality based on profiles and patterns. Exactly. And what, you know, that's stuff exactly. like for me for yep. example like you've done uh, have you done Gretchen Rubin's uh four tendencies have you done that Phil mm, yes there's yes I have I probably, I'm gonna look it up right that, now but you're upholder or obliger or one of those is that I will tell you right now, but you tell me a little bit more about that. I'm gonna yeah. Look it so up. this is this is one of many different things tools I use. One of and it's basically a very simple free system. You can Google four tendencies to understand what your tendency is um, towards. I think it's external expect towards expectations or getting things done. And so I am someone who 
get things done when I understand the why of it. Um, and I respond yeah. badly to accountability. <laughs> so, ah. um, so really interesting. Oh, I'm an obliger. I just looked oh, it up. I'm an obliger. You, you're the opposite yeah. of me. So I'm a questioner and an obliger yeah. actually needs accountability to get things done. Very much yeah. struggles without it. Exactly. So, um, my fiance is an obliger. So, uh, Michael's uh, same as you. Um, and so when you know that, yeah. but then I, I layer on top, I use a lot of profile systems. I'm an ENFP profile in Myers-Briggs or the Kiersey system. And we work, mm-hmm. we only get stuff done well in collaboration. So when I layer mm. those two things together, I know that I need to know the why as a questioner, I need to know the why. And as an ENFP, if I am stuck, I always have to ask who, not what. So who is on this with me? I can't work by myself. Like I do work by myself in the sense of like, I'm a solo person. I have a yeah. lot of alone time out of choice, but I need to know there's a partner on a project, be it an, an advanced assistant or manager or a colleague who's a coach, or in this case, someone I've hired in. So like, just get, I just encourage everyone to like, get to know yourself and get real with it um, yes. rather than beating ourselves up and saying, oh, I just don't get stuff done. It's like, well, maybe your conditions aren't right. Um, yeah. And so important. I love that. I, I always tell people I'm, you know, it's funny. I have my own version of this. I think people, some people are really motivated by rewards and some are motivated by punishments and I'm Ooh. definitely a punishments person. So I will like, <laughs> if I stay up past midnight, the next day I lose all TikTok and Instagram privileges <gasps> <What>? <laughs> and it like forces me to shut down. I will literally be on, I'll be furiously scrolling TikTok until 1159 PM. And then I'm like, oh, I got it. And I put my phone down. So I can wake up the next morning and have my stuff. But I, I hate oh. the punish. You know, like I'm motivated by that. It's really funny. But I agree. Um, you definitely so need to know useful. yourself to know what, how you can, yeah, <laughs> how to make changes. Um, yeah. I'm going to, I think I'm going to end it. I could talk to you for hours, Marianne, but um, I want to make this palatable to our listeners. So is there any final words of wisdom you'd like to share or, <laughs> I don't know, a book you'd like to recommend or anything that you'd like to say before we bid adieu? I think that part of a big part of creating your own epic freelance life is to make sure that it's actually your epic freelance life and not someone else's. Yes. So one question yes, I'd yes. leave everyone with is the question I ask every single client of mine, which is what game are you playing? So this month, what mm. game are you playing? This year, what game are you playing? How do you want to feel? What's the thing you want to, you most want to have? And just keep that question with you. What game am I playing whenever you're in that world of like, should I focus here or here? And just come back to that question. And that is where we get the best answers from. Beautiful. Thank you, Marianne. Stay on. We'll chat a little bit after, but I love you. You're wonderful. Thank you so much for chatting with me. Thank you, Phil. 